Christine Rolo Capriolo. And now it's my deep honor to introduce my best friend, Bo, Mr. Happy Johnson. Welcome to the Comedy Sports Podcast. I'm very excited to have this gentleman here right in front of me right now, ready to be interviewed, Mr. Bo Johnson. Bo, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It's so nice to be here. I am thrilled to have you here. Your name has come up. This is the first time I've ever been in a pod. Being it, cast. Yes, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it, well, it's it's close. It's very close quarters. It is, but it's there's sun coming in. We're good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your name has come up many times as a great teacher at comedy sports. So I'm going to get into that well, eventually. that's sweet. Yes, but I want to begin with where were you born and raised? Okay. Uh, boy, that's going way back. I was born <laughs> actually in Terre Haute, Indiana. Really? So, yes, uh, as as well as Dylan Bolin. I don't know if you've interviewed Dylan at all yet. I have not yet. yet, but you were born in the same area as Dylan Bolin. We are we are both Hoosiers. Okay. Both of us managed to escape at fairly young ages. <laughs> okay. um, I actually, because my, my dad was down there, he met my mom while he was working at Alice Chalmers. Okay. But he had started at Alice Chalmers in Milwaukee, had been transferred down, they met and married, they had three kids very quickly, and then uh, Chalmers wanted to transfer him back. Okay. So when I was four years old, we all came back to Milwaukee, which, um, all right. and if you, if you know the difference between Milwaukee and Terre Haute, you know, then you know that <laughs> I really like lucked out. Okay. Um, so, um, people from Terre Haute, maybe if they were ever hear that are going to send me death threats, but <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure all three of them <laughs> might, will not be listening. <laughs> so when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you have, um, a dream job that you thought about? Uh, well, I think aside from all of the silly things that, that all young boys want to be, you know, like astronaut and pilot, uh-huh. and, um, uh, I, I loved music at an early age. Like okay. I remember when I was in second grade, I got to sing the solo of Silent Night for my um, second grade choir oh. um, concert. Okay. So I, I, when I was real young, I thought I was going to m- probably go into music, which I to some extent have. Yeah, at this you, point. you do. You're in a band. I'm yeah. playing in a band, play yeah. guitar and congas and sing. Um, but in those days, I, you know, was, thought might I, I, I might go into musical comedy like Broadway kind of stuff. Okay. And then as I got older, I thought, well, it's probably safer to become a music teacher. So I'll learn music and also get an education degree, and then I'll, I'll I could teach music. And okay. then I got to high school and started to really look it around at the kind of people that I would end up teaching. You know, <laughs> I'm a high school teacher. I'm quite aware. <laughs> And I suddenly realized that, no, I, I don't want to teach any anybody like this. These people should be dropped on a desert island. The ones that survive, we should allow back off again. Right, know, right. Which they then made a reality television show out of, except that they're not high school kids and right. we don't just leave them behind, right. which I think we should. <laughs> My great, great aunt, Sister Mary Michael... Little Italian nun, and if you are an Italian-American in Milwaukee years back, um, probably had her as a teacher, like Angelo Farina did, Joe Cortese did. Wow, really? Yes, and um, she used to tell me, 
that from the age of 13 through 19, we should just drop kids off into the middle of the woods mm-hmm. and then pick them back up when they're 19 because yep. they are beasts at that age. Uh, yep. So you're very correct in, yes. your, <laughs> in your analysis. She and I are, are of the same opinion. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then you didn't uh, end up becoming a teacher. No, I did not end up becoming a teacher. I got out of high school and decided at, by that point, I had also done a lot of acting in high school. Okay, so you were in the plays and stuff at school? I was in the plays. I started musicals. out in the musicals because I wanted to sing, but then I also started to get into straight plays. I, When I was a senior, I played Grandpa and You Can't Take It With You okay. and had a great time, was in a number of other plays and, um, you know, the annual um, like forensics festivals yeah. would always have a dramatic competition. Yeah. So I did a bunch of those. and uh, What high school are we talking? Whitnall. Whitnall. I went to Whitnall okay. High. Okay. Out on the southwest side. Um, and so I decided I would go into theater. And okay. actually started out at UWM. Um, didn't do real well at UWM, and I won't go into all of the different reasons, but it didn't help that I was commuting from home. Sure, that's like, hard. I tended to still go out and party with all my old, old high friend. school friends yeah. and didn't concentrate on school very much. So I dropped out, and I spend a, spent about two years actually um, being a delivery truck driver for George Webb's restaurants. George Webb's had delivery drivers? Yeah, from really? their warehouse. You have they oh. have to get their, their oh, food. From, I thought you meant like I can order and then you deliver oh, the oh food. Oh no, to me. oh no. This is way before <laughs> Right, um, that's why I was like, What? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Way before that. No, I, w- I would drive a truck out of their warehouse I see. and deliver um hash browns and cans <laughs> of um ketchup and you know, and frozen hamburger patties and all of that sure. stuff. So So then how in the world do you become familiar with comedy sports? How does that enter into your life? Okay, well, it's a long story, Christina, well, we got time. I'm, so I'm still going through this okay, whole I'm process. <laughs> so after I finally I realized that I was ready to go back to college, yeah, um, I transferred up to University of Wisconsin Eau Claire. Okay, and really was had a had a was much more successful at concentrating on what I wanted to learn and being a better student okay. and. Um, while I was there, there was uh, towards when I was in my senior year, uh, I had a professor that I was had been working really closely with, and he let me set up an independent study, where I would essentially learn as much about improvisation as I could, and in the course of doing it as a workshop with okay. other students that were a part of the theater department. Okay. So we would meet like three times a week during class hours, and this was, and so this was like I was getting three credits um, for leading this workshop. Okay. And so I had read all of my Viola Spolin texts right. and all of that stuff, and then we started playing freeze and started playing all sorts of different games. Okay. And so that's where I had initially started to get, um, you know, experience with doing improv. Yeah. And then I graduated and came back to Milwaukee. Started to get involved in local theater. Okay. <clears throat> the the first theater company that I became a part of was a, a theater known as Clavis at, at back in those days. Um, no longer around, but and this again is <clears throat> subject for a whole different um, podcast <laughs> about Milwaukee theater. But Clavis eventually sort of evolved into what is now Next Act. Oh, okay. And there's a whole story about that, but you're not interested in it. Um, <laughs> But while I was working with Clavis, uh, at that was at about the same time that Dick had started theater sports. Okay. Which is what it was called at the time. Right. And so he was getting press about it. 
And as part of his press, he was saying that, um, you know, because they, they, they wanted to play up the competitive aspect. Right, right? the sports aspect. The sports of it. aspect. Mm-hmm. So he was saying, well, and he was, he was kind of trash talking. He was saying, you know, I'm training all of these people in improv, but it's a sports uh, competition. So if any of you out there think you can form a team and take us on, oh. you know, you go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, challenge accepted. Right. <laughs> And at the time, I was uh, working as technical director, I think, for a show called ER, uh, Emergency Room. And uh, one of the guys who was in that show that I got to know and became friends with was a, man, a guy named David Paul Knutton, okay. who had gotten his theater degree, I think, from Stevens Point. Okay. And he also had done some improv at college. Okay. And then his sister, Sue, uh, and a very close friend of mine, Lori Birmingham, mm-hmm. who... Uh, God love her, passed a few years ago, but um, she she will always be really close to my heart. Yeah. Um, and then another uh, friend of mine, uh, Jenny Wanasek. Okay. And, and a young man named Nolan Truitt, uh, because comedy sports in those days, uh, Sean McKenna was a part of it. Right. And when he was only about 10, uh, 11 or 12 years old. Yeah, right. he, was he was the youngest. He was very young. And we were like, okay, let's, we've got Nolan who had, who was actually like this, he used to love to work backstage as like a props person and stuff. Okay. But he was also a really funny kid and very creative. And we were like, okay, let's have our version of Sean McKenna. So <laughs> right. that'll be Nolan. Right. So the six of us got together and started practicing improv games. And we were like, yeah, we're going to take you on. Right? Nice. And so Dick um, set up a, a show that was initially between us. And we were we um, the name that we picked for ourselves was Fred's Lounge. Fred's Lounge. Right. Okay. We went out and found a half dozen um, used bowling shirts at a Goodwill. <laughs> okay. And then uh, had our nicknames um, embroidered into them, right, and with the with the bowling balls on the back. <laughs> okay. And uh, we came in, and, for, and at first Dick uh, set up a show where we played against one of his workshop teams, one of his teams in training. Okay. And we smoked them. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and where was this? Was this at Colts? Uh, this was at Colts. This okay. was in the back room of Colts. And actually, okay. I'm trash. I'm trash talking somewhat now too, because uh, <laughs> the people that were playing on that opposing team actually, of course, became very good friends of mine. Phil sure. Larson, and uh, and Sean, Sean McKenna, yeah. and a lot of people that I ended up then eventually doing comedy sports with all of the time. Right. So anyway, so then because we had won, the deal that we had made with Dick was then we would go on to play as Fred's Lounge against one of his um, sort of uh, uh, feature show uh, teams. Right. You know, because back in those days, the two teams were always the uh, the Dendrites and the... I'm forgetting what the other... Sparklers? Sparklers. Mm-hmm. It was always the Dendrites and the Sparklers. Still is. Is it? It is. Oh, God. I was them. a Dendrite <laughs> last night, I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so Fred's Lounge came in and yeah. played against the Dendrites. Okay. And we smoked them. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're keeping track, but that's twice. Okay. <laughs> but, then, and, and, but of course, the uh, the Dendrites, the, that Dendrites team, I think, was Marvin Berkowitz, and it was Bob Orvis and okay. Brian Green. So it was also, I mean, we had a really good time. By that, I bet. By that time, even though we came in being a little cocky and really thinking that this was, that they were really interested in a sports competition of improv, yeah. as we got to know them better, then it all became that like, okay, you need to sort of 
make it clear that the sports thing is not really the thing. Right. You know? Yeah. Nobody's really trying to beat each other here. And I, you know, I certainly hope that I'm not giving away the secret of what comedy sports is, but I think people started to get it long ago, yeah. even the regular, you know, audience members. It's right. like nobody cares who wins. Right. It's just, that's just kind of part of the format. Right. Yeah. But when we first came, we thought that everybody cared who won. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, and then Dick, as soon as he saw what was happening, also realized that, like, I can't allow people to be just their own team. I have to make sure that I create a, a business where, yeah, every week we've got the dendrites versus the sparklers, but, oh, I know what I need to do. I need to make sure that nobody's ever always a dendrite, okay. you know, or every always a sparkler. What yeah. I have is a very talented company of people. Right. I give them... a a shirt of each color yeah. and then each week they just switch off on different teams and end up playing, you know, so that each week every person is playing with um, a new group of people Yeah. so that everybody always feels like that it's, you know, the, the team is really the show, right. the show as a whole. Absolutely. So, but Fred's Lounge is kind of what taught Dick that. Oh, look at that. Yeah. I love that story. I love mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So then how did you go from, like, did he invite you in then? Like, hey, this is yes. awesome. You've got to come with us. He invited us all in. Everybody okay. that was on Fred's Lounge. Not everybody um, accepted the invitation. Jenny was way busy doing a lot of other theater stuff. She mm -hmm. directs a lot and still does these to this day. Yeah. And is also a wonderful actress. And Lori Birmingham actually did a couple of comedy sports shows. She did, yeah. yeah. Um, what year are we talking that this whole uh, Fred's Lounge thing happened? Remember? Um, for you uh, listeners now, I'm making a screwed up face. <laughs> uh, I think it was 1984. 84? I was going to guess 84. Yeah. Was I right on that? Could have been late 83, though. Okay. Could have been fall of 83. Okay. But by 84, I was doing comedy sports pretty much every weekend on Regularly a regular basis. Then. You were in yeah. the company. Yeah. Yeah. The, the people that... That came from Fred's Lounge that really then became regular company members for uh, a few years were myself and David Paul Knuton and Sue Knuton, his sister. Um, Lori did it occasionally, and her um, her ex-husband, PJ... Uh, he well, is Mr. Voice on our podcast. PJ's Mr. Voice. He is. Okay. He's doing all the intros. They were still married at the time. They were. And even after getting divorced, they remained very close Best friends. Best friends till the day she passed. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he, yeah, he became stage manager, um, mm -hmm. and actually was the, I think he was the first person that Dick hired to actually be a stage manager yes. to really sort of like keep the place organized and yeah. on time and, and clean the green room. <laughs> <laughs> the dreaded green room. <laughs> um, yeah. Empty the cigarette butts out of the ashtrays, things right. like that. Poor, poor PJ. Poor Pete. <laughs> He's still scarred from the yeah. things he saw in there. Oh, well, he's scarred from so many things. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you remember most about those days playing at cults with the new with the new crew that you're involved in here at comedy sports well the <clears throat> the the thing is it really became uh it became my lifestyle for a, a lot of years after that because i mean i still did theater occasionally but um all of a sudden like 
just knowing that every weekend I was going to do Friday and Saturday night um, comedy sports shows. Yeah. And and I became very good friends with all of these people that, you know, initially we thought we were in competition with. But Bob, right. I love Bob Orvis. I yeah. love Brian Green. Brian Green and I have this, still have this thing to this day where if one of us sees the other one before, you know, you, you, we, we sneak up on each other. Right. And do this thing called the Teddy Mug. The Teddy Mug? Yeah. So if like... <laughs> If I'm sitting at the bar, uh-huh. and usually at comedy sports, but so, anywhere in town, mm-hmm. if if all of a sudden Brian Green realizes, oh, That's there's Bo, yeah. I see Bo, he will sneak up on me, or I will do this to him sure. if I manage it. But he's always better at it. <laughs> Teddy was a mater d at comedy sports who had this very sort of creepy way of invading your personal space. <laughs> okay. So after a show, a lot of times we'd be at the bar having drinks and Teddy would come up and he'd start rubbing our shoulders and he'd be like, oh, you were so good tonight. You were really good, weren't you? You thought you you really, yeah, I bet that you got the ladies really going with that one. They are, they're, they're hot for you. Uh, you know, and the whole time he's doing this little rubbing shoulder massage. So that became, so that became what we still call the, the Teddy mug, right? So you got it. You got to take Brian and I have to take each other by surprise, and we have to jump. Up, we have to get behind the other one and grab their shoulders and start digging in. And oh, uh, who's this? Who are you with tonight? Huh? Having a wild time, I bet. Huh? Huh? What do you think you're up to now? Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, you guys still to do this? this day. Does Teddy know about this? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, Teddy doesn't know about this, and you know, I, I'm, I have no idea where Teddy oh, is these Teddy. days. Oh, Teddy! Teddy. It's an ongoing <laughs> joke forever. Oh my God! I mean, he, he was on in years at the time, and this is going back well, 1984. So this is going back 35 years now. Right. You know. Oh my God. 35 years. No, this uh, has been so don't. amazing interviewing people from you know starting with Dick and Bob talking about the beginning of comedy sports. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just been incredible, and I love hearing the stories. These are incredible <laughs> stories. And Teddy, well, I tell you, I'm going to bring him in here. If I can <laughs> you might have to resurrect him. <laughs> just to get the shoulder rub. <laughs> uh, wait, but you've got an aunt who's a nun. She's got powers, I'll bet. Well, she has passed, too, but I bet oh. she could bring him, bring him with her. We we'll do a, a seance. We could do a seance with Teddy and Sister Mary Michael. <laughs> That would be quite the experience. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you hear that table knock? Oh, my God. The table's moving. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, God. I feel my shoulders being squeezed. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so at some point throughout you performing with comedy sports, it's now right. a huge oh, okay. part of your life. So, yeah. So, right. So, now it has become like my uh, – It. I'm not that I really – barely made enough money to pay my bills. You know, I was, I was scratching at other things too. I actually spent some time, um, being an apprentice in an upholstery shop for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And some, you know, I mean, when you're a member of the gig economy all your life, like there is just all sorts of ways that I had to find to, um, make money, but you know, but my whole social life really for, uh, quite a while became, um, the theater sports, Dick and Bob and Marvin and, um, you know, and like uh, Carol Bauman and I became a couple and mm-hmm. lived together for many years. And um, and I honestly have to say that I think because I had gotten into improv comedy, and this is no slight, you understand, to the theater community, but I think that I had gained an impression as 
uh, oh yeah, he's one of those improv comedy guys. And so the theater community for a while started to take me less seriously. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So I so I became I I. I did not get used much in the theater really? community for quite a few years. And can I, can I digress a little? Sure. Because this is getting away from um, comedy sports and theater sports, but it wasn't, and I ended up doing just theater sports for a long time until uh, Monty Davis, God love him, who was the artistic director and founder of um, Milwaukee Chamber Theater, mm-hmm. came to see a, a few um, theater sports shows. Okay. And he saw me do like improv Shakespeare and Uh stuff like that. And he recognized the fact that I was, that yes, I was a good improv comedian, but I was also a talented actor. Okay. And he started, and he, uh, the first thing that he um, called me about, he contacted me and asked me if I would be a part of the cast for a production of Travels with My Aunt, which is uh, based on a Graham Greene novel. And, um, so that, getting back involved with chamber theater through that, and then he cast me in a number of other things kind of quickly after that. And then that's when um, theater, the theater community around town started to remember who I was. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So then for, and then for a while, then I started to sort of um, get my foot back into both. Okay. So I would do comedy sports when I was, whenever I was available. Right. But if I did manage to get cast in something else. Okay. I wouldn't do comedy sports for the run of that particular show, or sure. sometimes I would do a show and then still manage to make the late night show, the mm-hmm. 10 o'clock. And then by that point, we had also started um, doing Dead Ale Wives. Right, I was going to ask about that, your your involvement in the Dead Ale Wives. That uh, started in, what, 90? <clears throat> well, we, ended, we lasted for 12 years, and we ended in 2000. So actually, 1988 is when we first kind of started oh, okay. putting that together. Okay. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for a long time, I was doing both. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing we the the thing I loved about Dead Alewives, you know, comedy sports is really fun with this three four minute um, games. You right, know. a three or four minute scene or a game. Yeah, and you know, stuff that really has that will, that has a lot of guaranteed um, shtick to it that sure. you know will play. So yeah. like Arms Expert or. Um, Oh, spelling bee, things yeah. like that. But then the other side of the coin, which I also really wanted to do, was the more long-form stuff. Okay. Like, so uh, just one example of a Dead Alewives game that actually took up the entire show. So we would only do it occasionally. Yeah. But it was called Audition Play. Okay. So you'd, at the top of the show, you would ask for the title of a play right never been created before ask for the name of a couple of characters in that in that um in that play yeah. and like some primary conflict once you got all of that stuff yeah. one of the members of the dead alewives that night would become the director okay. and the first act was holding auditions okay so the director would call people in and say oh thanks i got your resume yeah. um you know and so a lot of times kurt would come in playing some particular kind of character and then as director you would um, you would let them, you, you would, in an improvisational way, set up the scene that they were auditioning for as if that was in the script already. Okay, right? So yeah. you're, this is this is a very important um, moment in the show. I, I just want you to read this. Oh, and can we have, let's uh, let's see who else is here for auditions. Um, 
Oh, Patrice, Patrice Ignatowski. Um, could you could you read the uh, woman's part in this in this scene? And then the director says, "Okay, so this is the really pivotal moment yeah. where um, Marcus realizes that Patrice uh, ha- has lost actually both arms, but has been because of the her really um, great prosthetics, he has never really realized it before." So. <laughs> So the director really essentially is kind of creating just little moments right. of the play by what he improvises in terms of how they're going to audition, yeah. what they're going to do to audition. Everybody reads different little scenes in different moments. Then you go into the dressing room and you have basically the 10-minute intermission to write everything else around the scenes that you've already created. And create the whole play with all these connecting Come back for the second act and create the whole play. That's great. And the first thing that you do is you announce what the cast is uh-huh. so that everybody finds out who's going to play what character. So okay. you may have had like Kurt come up and play a different character, but it works out better to have Mundy right. actually play that character. So Mundy had to be really listening to whatever Kurt said. Right. right. Yeah. And then and then you create the whole play and then you take your curtain call and that's the whole show. Oh my god, right? it's brilliant. It's it was really fun. It was and you know, but that's the thing, that kind of long form yeah. is really jumping off a cliff. Oh, absolutely. And um, you know, and I just that's what I loved about the Dead Alewives yeah. was the opportunity to do that and still do the stuff where, you know, for three minutes you can do arms expert and right. you know, pick somebody's nose and um <laughs> You know, in all in all of those bits. Well, I was a groupie back in high school watching you guys, the oh. Dale Wives, a phenomenal group of performers. And I remember all the musical, <laughs> the the theme songs you all created for all the different games you played. Yes, yes. And did that just happen? Did you? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Mundy loved to. Mundy a lot of times was the person that would make a lot of those up. Or Peter. Peter would make a lot of them up. Okay. Be like uh, freeze, stop, stop what you're doing. I said freeze, freeze, stop, stop what, what you're, you're doing. doing. <laughs> <laughs> Or I remember yeah. the growing and shrinking <laughs> machine. <laughs> yep. I yep. still have a Fu Chow. I Do you remember the giveaway? <sighs> it was a doll head on a springy stick and it lights up and you guys had a whole song. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. We gave away so many different so things. So much crap. And... It was great. It was a great group. So now through all this, at some point you're teaching down there as well. You're teaching workshops, which is why I'm so thrilled to have you here because your name has come up a lot mm-hmm. as being an incredible teacher of improv. Well, that's uh, I'm honored. I When I first got involved, the primary teachers were John Bank and Karen Kohlberg okay. and Dick. Um, but, you know, after the first couple of years and their, their sort of their whole workshop business started to grow and I had already let Dick know that the reason I learned how the way that I learned improv in the first place was because of that college experience that right. I had doing the independent study. Yeah. And I Karen by that point Karen had moved on and John uh, also had a, a regular job as a medical technician um which is that's a vague term. He it was something more specific that is actually I'm much more prestigious. I just can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Okay. Um, and so neither one of them really had a lot of weeknights open to. Well, oh, I see. like I say, Karen was gone, and John yeah. didn't really have a lot of weeknights open anymore. And Dick was more busy at that point running the business. Right. And I said, 
I've done some teaching. Yeah, I did I'll this do it. at the college level and I'd love to do it. Yeah. And we set up a process where on I think it was Monday nights we would have beginner level mm-hmm. and I would teach a six week beginning level course that okay. was really just about learning the basics of yes and mm-hmm. and you know uh, not being afraid. Uh, and trying not to think and just reacting, you know, and, and developing, you know, having a, a process from beginning to end during those six weeks. Um, you know, where work was a part of it, creating like a, you know, getting used to uh, using mime and watching each other uh, using mime to create a common space together and environment, and then using the the things that somebody else created in that environment, Yeah. you know, um, miming those as well and using those you know to make sure that they're an integral part of the scene right because this the where you are is can give you so much inspiration in yeah. terms of you know what what to do and what right. to do with it so the six week process like i say was about becoming confident about getting better at listening to each other yeah. about um getting over your fears just realizing that the <clears throat> best thing to do is just go with your first instinct yeah. don't think about it take the thought process out of it so that would be a six-week beginning course, and I would teach those on Monday nights. Once I had gotten through um, actually one of those, then we created a second-level Tuesday night, um, come whenever you want for as long as you want. You just re-up your admission, okay. your membership yeah. every six visits. Okay. So, you know, if you visited six times, okay, now I need 60 more dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that helped me a lot, actually. Then that's when I, for a while, and and with Bob starting the remote shows right. and doing private um, company stuff on luncheons and things, for a while, comedy sports was like, you know, I, I could maybe just not worry about getting theater work because mm, okay. this is doing okay for me. Right, right. You know, so we had the regular, and that's really what the Dead Alewives grew out of. Oh. Every, everybody that was that had been in the Tuesday night regular workout mm-hmm. um that were that loved coming really every week like yeah. there were some people there were some people that would just drop in sure but monday would come every week um ian roberts i don't know if that name has come up but it ian just came up earlier with a different interview yeah with yeah Kurt. Mm-hmm. so ian ian went on to uh be one of the founders of the stand-up citizens brigade okay who's so he actually has a much bigger profile and greater reputation than i do um, and has actually at this point been in a number of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, people have seen him. And he started UCB? He started UCB, mm-hmm. yeah. Or at least was one of, I believe, Amy Poehler yeah, and Amy Ian Poehler. and I think and uh, two or three other people were the original founders of that company. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, the Dead Alewives, all of the Dead Alewives were, coming, were meeting every, every Tuesday night regularly. So Mundy, okay. Peter, Kurt... Um, Sean, Sean didn't have to pay because he was already a regular comedy sports guy so that, you know, those people could always drop in when they felt like it. Right. Um, And then uh, Rob Schraub and Dan Dan Harmon Harmon, Mm -hmm. um, had had taken workshops. They had taken my beginning level and then they started coming to um, Tuesday nights on a regular basis. Uh, Anybody I'm forgetting as far as the original, original members? Dead Alewives was seven of us. But even before that, actually, um, we had first started, I don't know if this has come up at all, but before we actually winnowed it down to uh, what we then called the Dead Alewives, Mm -hmm. we started doing a public long-form improv show at the Old Stone Toad. Yes, the Old Stone Toad. The Old Stone Stone Toad (laughs) on Broadway 
Um, and we initially called it Blabs La Blah and her Improv Toadies. <laughs> Say that one more time. <laughs> Blabs La Blah and her Improv Toadies. Okay. What a wonderful name for a group. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you like it. In, I re- do. in retrospect, I when, once we became the Dead Ale Wives, we, a lot of us were like, "What the hell? What was that? I don't know. Blanche I'm getting a tattoo of it on my butt, though, so I'm so excited." <laughs> um, but you know, because the Dead Ale Wives became was a, was was just these are the seven guys that are the Dead Ale Wives. Yeah, Blabs Labla was more like <laughs> an opportunity to publicly show off. What was happening on Tuesday nights privately in the in the in the workshops? Okay, but just charge an admission for it, and then let people come in and watch, and then we would essentially do what we were already doing on Tuesday nights. All right, and it was, and we had left it open to anybody that had ever done Tuesday night advanced workshops. Okay, so it on some Tuesday on well no, so we so we started doing that I think on Wednesday nights because I was doing Monday night beginners, Tuesday night advanced, and then. Wednesday night at the Stone Toad. But Wednesday night at the Stone Toad, because we had left it open invitation, was just chaos. Oh. I mean, it was sometimes it was just too many people. Okay. You know, and people would show up and they'd maybe get 30 seconds on stage. And right. if it didn't go over well, you right. know, and Kurt would walk up and take them by the back of the neck and pretend to snap their neck and they'd fall <laughs> over dead. And then that's uh, that's how we'd get people off stage sometimes. Um so yeah, so we, you know, there came a point where it's like, you know, the only way to make this work is to make it a tightly defined. This is this is the group. These, this the, is, yeah, this these is are the who people in the group. With. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so oh, so yeah, Rob Schraub, Dan Harmon, Peter, Kurt Scholler, Mundy Carter, myself, and Sean McKenna. Right. That was the original. That was seven. the Dead Ale Wives. Yeah. 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 And a phenomenal group. You still talk to all those guys? Um, Peter was in town a while ago. I had dinner with him. Mundy and I, um, talk to each other as often as we can. Yeah. He, and, he and Karen are living in North Carolina. I heard that North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. They're fairly busy these days, but they come into town for different things and we definitely get together yeah. when we can. Uh, you know, Rob and, um, Dan. They're off doing their thing in LA. They're, they're big time news these days. Yeah. So, you know, I don't really, don't hear from them much and. I'm always afraid if I get try to get in touch with them, they're just going to think that I'm trying to schmooze for something. And, oh, I mean, and I'm, I'm sure not. not. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's only that's my personal paranoia, but I'm always afraid of coming off as a schmoozer. Right. So, um, and like, and Peter, and then Kurt, I just talked to, so right? occasionally I'll I'll hear from and Sean. I see Sean. I've seen more regularly. He's okay. been coming into town a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, in excellent. Fact, is he living in town now? He's been going kind of back and forth. Kind of back from, and forth yeah. between here and the Twin Cities, yeah. I think. Yeah. So what do you think was your philosophy with teaching improv? Um, confidence, listening. You know, actually, I've kind of already said yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. You know, just... And, you know, because there are there are just some very basic exercise, you know, because tr- a, lot, a lot of it crosses over into regular theater stuff. Yeah. So trust... But more than anything, and this is what everybody in improv will say is the first and most important thing is yes and. Yes and. You know, so, you know. Did you think anybody could learn it? Yes. I do think anybody can learn it. Now, can anybody learn it and also be regularly funny? 
Not so much. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, I think, and it's not, and, and again, I mean, especially at the beginning level, I always made it very important to be clear to people that it's not about being funny. Funny will come if you're just spontaneous. Yeah. But... At the same time, there are some people who just for whatever reason, their first reaction is a funnier first reaction hmm. than other people's. Yeah, you know, sure. other people's first reaction, you give them something and it's like, oh, this is what killed my mother. <laughs> oh, that's... <laughs> Okay. Okay, that's where improv becomes therapy. Oh my! And scene. <laughs> right. Okay. Kurt comes on and snaps them. Their snaps neck. their neck and they're gone now. Thank you, Kurt Schiller. <laughs> where did Mister Happy come from? Was that your nickname embroidered on this bowling shirt? That Is it was that my far back. That was my nickname embroidered on that bowling shirt, and I honestly have to give credit where credit is due because that was that came from me remembering a Robin Williams uh, monologue bit that he had gone on talking about his um, private parts and saying that he thought that why, you know, all of these different names for it, why not just call it Mr. Happy? <laughs> so you, t- you took it? <laughs> yeah. And then we, so we started Fred's Lounge and we were like, oh, well, we all got to come up with nicknames. And I was like, I like that Mr. Happy bit. I'm going to go with Mr. Happy. Oh, so it. thank you, Robin Williams. Thank you, Robin Williams. R.I.P. Yeah. Do you still have the shirt? I do. Nice. I do still have the shirt. Oh, nice. <laughs> Very cool. I came across it in the closet. The you know you know how that that thing about um, go through your closet once a year, and if you haven't worn it since the last time you go through it, the closet, yeah. get rid of it. Right. You can't get rid of that. You can't get rid of that. No, go I, every year. I still have my um, shirts from Madison Comedy Sports, which mm. is where I started playing professionally, mm-hmm. and then came back to Milwaukee. Yeah, that's where I first saw you, I think. Yeah, and yes, yeah, you came to Madison, and they were, I think, like extra larges, and I weighed <laughs> maybe a hundred pounds, <laughs> and I was just drowning. I don't know yeah, why I had yes. extra larges. I was drowning in these shirts, but yeah, I'll yeah, go I, re- my I remember thinking, well, that that girl that's wearing the tent, she's really talented. <laughs> Thank you. That I wonder, means a lot to me. I wonder if she has a body. Right? What, what's happening under that tent of cloth? I don't know why. Did I request an extra large? Did I think I was an extra large? I don't know. But I still have them is the point, and I can't get rid of them. Why would I want to? It's yeah, just, yeah, some yeah. things you just got to you gotta well, save. Well, because you never know when... Um, you know, you gotta, you, you have to somehow evacuate the city. Something bad's going on, and you need some tents. I do. I need, I need somewhere to live eventually, and those tents are gonna fit me and my family. My children are small. We'll all fit. So before we end our oh, what, wonderful, we're gonna interview, end well soon. Oh. I'm gonna play a couple games with you. Oh, okay. I can sit and talk to you all day, my friend. Oh. Um, I'm gonna play a couple games with you. You're okay. gonna pick two of these sheets of paper in here, and if you don't know, I'm just push them aside and pick a new one. Um, you're going to pick two sheets of paper. Those are all different comedy sports games. I have to be honest. I, the one thing that we haven't talked about yet is how long it's been since I have done improv. How long has it been? Pretty much since Dead Alewives broke up, which is... Now, I will say that I continued to go on teaching improv. Okay. So, because I became a part of um, First Stage Children's Theater. Oh, okay, And I would yeah. teach uh, at their summer academies. Yeah. And taught a lot of improv to young students there, oh. which I was very proud of. I yeah. think they learned... Uh, they learned a lot, um, and First Stage Academy is just a really beautiful place. Um, the energy is great. So I continued teaching improv um, to students until probably just about five years ago. Oh, okay. But I haven't performed it myself for a long, long time. Well, that is the audience's loss because you well, are phenomenal. 
So, so pick two we'll of these out, and again, I want right, you to tell we'll me. We'll see if I've got any chops. Still. Which one you would rather play in a show if you had to do a show right now? Hmm. Which of these two that you're picking? They're all different improv games from comedy sports. Well, forward reverse, I'm fairly familiar with. Shopping spree, I can't even say that I know. Uh, it's a guessing game. You come in, the crowd, uh, team leaves, and you get suggestions from the audience, and then they come back in, and they have to try to figure out what they're... No, I'm oh. mixing it up. The one, the one, the shop owner leaves the room, and then comes back in, and then the players try to get the shop owner to guess oh, okay. what he's trying to sell. All right, okay, so that's a little bit like, okay, I get that. Guessing game, yeah. Let's let's do that one. Let's do shopping spree. Really? You'd prefer that one if you had to do a show right now? You like the guessing games? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like forward reverse at this point is, is a game that um, has, that requires improv skills that I'm afraid I don't have anymore. Because you do the you do the scene in forward, right? right? And then you have to do it backwards. Right. And then it can be forward again and then backwards again. again. And yeah. then you can do it in uh you can do certain sections and somebody can say reverse and yeah, you have switch. to reverse that just that section. Yeah. And then you go forward again. Yeah. God, I haven't done that in so long. <laughs> can I look at more? Sure, pull out a few I want to look at all of these. What I want to really do is just tell you what my favorite one is. Yeah, well, do you yeah, do you remember? What is your favorite comedy sports game? Oh, I used to love dubbing, but I don't think that plays well on a podcast. Oh, we're not actually going to play the game. Oh, we're not? No. Oh, you were just, oh. I was just hypothetical. Oh, you want to know what I just used to love to do? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll tell you. Okay, first, I love music games. You do? Oh, yeah. When Back when we came in as Fred, Fred's Lounge and we smoked them. <laughs> you smoked them, I remember. Uh, back in those days, they used to do Madrigal. And before we came in, the, the, the conceit with Madrigal that they used to do was that nobody was a good singer. They were just, you know, they were just sort of like being goofy and that, you know, and it was, and it was like trying to do something and doing it badly. And that's, what's so funny about it. And they had big ego about it, you know, and just, we came in and did Madrigal and we all, we, I mean, like everybody on that Fred's lounge team was like, La, 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 la. And the next person knew exactly how to harmonize with yeah. that. Like, because like, we could jam. Like, we could really jam. Nice. So, yeah, any of the things like Madrigal or making up, um, I remember one of the first things that I did when I was one of the, like, the Dendrites. And we made up a blues song about a couple that was in the audience called Jack and Annette. <laughs> And Bob Bob was backing me up, and Rosie Friedman and Marvin, and it was like, Jack and Annette, she's my pet. <laughs> and I can't remember what the rest of it was, but it was it was really fun it because they told us about their first date, and they sure. met over a fish fry. Sure. And like you know, uh, and then later they ended up taking a bath together. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's one thing I feel Milwaukee has strayed from. We don't have someone on keys. There aren't very many oh, musical games. Oh. I always wish that would come back into the circulation <laughs> of games during the show. All right, I've got yeah. one more one more bizarre game for you. We're going to play the Would You Rather before you go. We, okay. We want to we wanna get to know you a little more, okay? Okay. Would you rather... Oh, can I also say, though, oh, one sure. other game I used to always yeah. really love playing was Story Die. I think Story Die is really fun. Story Die? 
What do you mean story die? You don't know die? story die? I know story, but what's story, story. die? Well, you, so you've got the ref and they're pointing to one yeah. person. Okay, we used to call it story die because then if you kept talking when the ref pulled oh, their hand away, then you're out. Oh, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. how okay. you die. Yeah. Okay. So, so elimination style. Yeah. Sure. All right, last one. Are you ready? Would you rather have an extra mouth placed in the middle of your stomach or have seven non-removable fingers on each hand? So seven fingers on each hand instead of five. Correct. Or an extra mouth placed in the middle of your stomach. Oh, I'd definitely go with the seven fingers on each hand. Well, you're, you're banned then. Can you imagine? Well, oh, I could play guitar like, uh, like a god. <laughs> I mean, yeah, imagine the finger picking. Yeah, man, that would be... And that would be what? That would be amazing. <laughs> like, I'm an artist. And like, if I had seven, like um, all the paintbrushes I can hold and all the metalsmithing I could do with just more fingers. Yeah. Well, right? I was, cause I was going to say, what the first thing I was thinking of was like my carpentry skills. Cause I do do some carpentry and like, okay, yeah, seven. Yeah. And then I, then I could actually lose a couple. <laughs> be okay. You'd look like a shop teacher. It'd be fine. <laughs> right. Right. If I slipped on the table saw, I've still, I got six more. Okay. Um, but yeah, but playing guitar. Even better. That would be awesome. Well, Bo Johnson, Mr. Happy, this has been such a fantastic time with you. I appreciate you coming in today. Thank I hope you. you've enjoyed it. I've had a great time one going back days, over old memories. One of these days, man, I think it'd be cool to get you on stage and do a little music with you. Oh, that would be fun. That would be great. That would be, yeah. Well, thanks for coming in, Bo. I appreciate it. Brian Green, I'm out there. <laughs> and I'm ready to teddy mug. <laughs> The Comedy Sports Podcast is produced and engineered by Kyle Hannigan. Our announcer is Mr. PJ Rockwell. Feel free to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Comments and inquiries can be sent to the Comedy Sports Podcast at gmail.com. Created and hosted by me, Christine Rolo Capriolo. See you next time. Comedy Sports Podcast is an independent production made by CSC players. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast host and any guests are their own and do not represent the views and opinions of any CSE location or CSE worldwide. Vocabulary used by the host and guests is not necessarily representative of the CSE brand.